some scripture and prayer today. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good to be in God's house. I'm looking forward to that day. See that look upon his face. I want to see you. Praise the Lord. I got a list of prayer requests before we go to the Lord in prayer. Um, we need to continue to remember Sister Beulah Powell, Sister Laura May Skipper, Christina Coker and her family, Andrew Bachman, he's sick with the COVID. We also need to remember Elizabeth Duncan and Veronica and her family in the passing of Elizabeth Duncan. We also need to remember Bonnie Gunn, <clears throat> the inference, Pastor Paul Garrett and his family due to his passing. We also need to remember Brother Ron Jeffcoat, also their family for the comfort due to his passing, and also Brianna's granddad, who's also battling COVID. We also need to remember the service today, the Drigger family, and also the Craven family. And Sister Brenda asked us that we will remember Edward Scott, <clears throat> Ann Crawford, and also Sue Davis, which also is stricken with COVID. Um, I got two scriptures I want to read in Colossians. Paul's writing to the Colossian church. Chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. He said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Again, I'd like to go to the Lord, and I'd like to remember all these prayer requests, all these needs. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. Let us all pray. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord. Always, always thankful to be a child of God. Thankful, Lord, that you're concerned about everything, Lord, that touches our lives. Father, we pray, Lord, that you comfort those that have lost loved ones, those that are in the hospital. We pray, Lord, that your hand of mercy and grace be upon them. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would be in this church service today, Lord. Father, we need your touch. Hallelujah. Lord, we need to feel your presence in this church house today, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that you would touch the music, every song that's sung, the preaching of your word. Father, we pray that your hand of mercy be upon all of it in Jesus' name. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory for that you do, Lord. For you're a mighty good God, and we love you. We thank you, Lord. And we praise you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing and go back into worship this morning.
deserve the glory in the Just sing together for you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. You are. 
this morning. Amen. Amen. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord today. Children, you are free to be dismissed. Parents, don't forget, please take your children home with you. Take extra ones home with you. You can take anybody's child home with you as long as they're okay with it. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go with me to Psalms chapter 3. Psalms chapter 3. Those of you joining uh, online, thank you so much. Uh, I know Amber and David Fultz are joining us online today. They had to help their uh, Brother David's brother moved into his new house, and he had a short window of time to do that. So they were helping him today. Little Curtis is watching today from Fort Jackson, I think, in Virginia. Uh, today uh, he finished up his assignment uh, uh, of his boot camp and got stationed at Fort Jackson in Virginia. And so he's up there doing the rest of his uh, military uh, uh, quest, if you will, and, and getting his military journey started and uh, so he is tuning in live from Virginia. So we have people in Virginia watching us today. And uh, I'm sure there are probably others that are streaming. Uh, the list that Brother Marion gave you is endless. Brother, uh, Brother Curtis uh, Sr. and his family are battling COVID. That's why they're not here today. Um, some of them have COVID. Some of the kids. Um, uh, Hannah has COVID. Uh, Brother Mike and Sister Janet just got over COVID. So they're all battling it. Um, uh, brother and sister M. Ryan are just trying to remain safe uh, and not get it. Uh, countless other sister Beulah is doing better, getting stronger a little bit each day. She still is is still sick. Uh, she is joining us online today. She actually texted me not too minute, too long ago and said, "I'm watching online. I'm with you guys. Wish I was there. Love you guys." She is watching, but she's still trying to get over her bout uh, with COVID as well. Uh, countless. Um, Families uh, are dealing with the tragic passing uh, of their loved ones from COVID. Uh, I did two funerals on Thursday. I will leave immediately following church today and do another one. And uh, therefore, we will not have Sunday evening service tonight uh, due to me having to travel to do a homegoing service of someone else who died of COVID uh, as well. Um, then I have another funeral on Tuesday. So between Thursday and Tuesday, I will have done four funerals. <laughs> I've been a part of four funerals in, in that span of time. Uh, and of those uh, funerals, uh, many of them uh, were uh, people that were very close, very dear to our hearts. Um, whether it was, uh, I'm glad to see Miss Christina made it in today, whether it was her family, the passing of her father, or Liz Duncan's family, or the family that I'll be with this afternoon, or Pastor Paul Garrett, who pastored Life Givers Ministries, uh, the Pentecostal Holiness Church there off of Old Whitesville Road. 
and his now passing, his family is going to be needing lots of prayers. There's just a lot of stuff going on right now in the world. And uh, those that are joining online, don't forget, you know, you can always um, be a part of our services, downloading the apps, downloading our podcast, downloading, uh, following us on uh, our uh, .org. Uh You can give in lots of ways. You can give in the boxes. You can give on an envelope. You can give on tide.ly. You can give uh, at the church. Uh, you can just do it all. Uh, you can, we just, we'll be glad to take it any way the Lord seems fit. You can also uh, listen to all our services later in the day, next week, next month, next year, however you want to, on our Apple uh, and Google uh, podcast. If you have your Bibles, Psalms chapter 3, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Here's what the word of the Lord says. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? And many that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him and God. Listen to what the psalmist is saying. Now, if you have a Bible that has headers, your headers might say this, the Lord protects his people. Underneath it, it might say a Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. And we'll talk about what that meant in a minute. Notice what it said, Lord, many are they that increase. God, there's a lot of people against me right now. And boy, doesn't that how, isn't that how it kind of feels like today? Whether it's covid whether it's masks, whether it's vaccines, whether it's the government, whether it's war, it just seems like everywhere we turn is just something's going wrong. Many are they that increase the trouble. Many rise up against me and say, there is no help in God. But God told me to come by and tell somebody today this thought today. Hold on. Help is on the way. Hold on. Hold on. Help is on the way. Father, in the sacredness of the moment, in the importance of this hour, let my voice transcend heaven and earth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, just be spoken straight from heaven's throne room. God, I pray you would take a coal from the altar of heaven and you'd anoint these lips of clay and you'd help me to preach your word, God, like a man from another world. Not because I'm anything special, not because this body of believers need to hear another word from me, but God, we need to hear a word from you today. Not me, but you. God, speak to our hearts. Open ears, open eyes, open hearts. Today we receive not only be hearers, but doers and be receptive of what thus saith the word of the Lord. It is not by our might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts, we forever claim it and settle it in heaven. And all God's people together said, Amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Hold on. Help is on the way. 
We have coined around this place many times the phrase hope. Hold on. Pandemic's in. Hold on. God's promises are eternal. Hold on. Pain ends. Hold on. Problems end. You name it, it's going to end. A couple weeks ago, in midweek Bible study, I shared with this body of believers my new acronym for COVID. Christ offers victory in distress. Christ offers victory in distress. So every time Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, or any of the other groups come out and say, well, we're at the most alarming number of COVID cases we've ever had. The numbers are out of this world. We've had X amount of COVID deaths. While my heart is grieved, I have a couple of funerals that I've already done and some that I'll be doing today and, and others that I'll be a part of that are being involved with that were attributed to COVID-related things. Now, COVID was not the only issue. There were other complicating issues, but COVID did not help those issues either. And, and so I'm going to stand and talk to families who are battling what has been a COVID-related death. And every time I hear that, I could be negative and I could be discouraged and I could. I just talked to someone just yesterday on the phone and I'm just going to be honest with you today. I told them, I said, you know, I don't know what to say anymore. I'm not saying that I'm not a man of faith, but sometimes my faith's a little wavering. God, we've been praying for this thing to end, and it seems it's getting worse, not getting better. Father, I've been praying that you would help these families that are going through these struggles and these things. But God, it seems like worse is happening, not better is happening. God, where are you? Many are increased that trouble me. Many are they that rise up against me. The government tells me there's no help unless I take a vaccine. The government tells me I have no chance at surviving. The world's telling me the church has no hope and no answers. And we can't meet together. And we can't do this. And we can't do that because of fear. And all of these different things. And I have quoted... Many times in this body, Christ, uh, that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I have tried to quote that, but I'm not going to lie to you and tell you there's not days sitting in my office with tears streaming down my face, hearing of another person dying from something called COVID, or listening to the statistics, or listening to the reports, that I don't get a little discouraged, and I don't get a little uh, uh, distracted, and I don't get to the point that I think, oh my God, what has happened? Oh my God, what's going on? in the world oh my god what am i going to do next and get a little have my faith wavering from time to time but i am reminded that while there might be covid 19 but god's already got a remedy for covid christ came and he died on calvary's cross and whether covid takes me out of this life and teleports me to the another life and uses death as the vehicle to put me in the presence of the lord i still can say if i die of covid you make sure whoever preaches my funeral says the pastor died of covid Christ offered victory in his distresses. Christ offered victory in his time of need. God was still good. He still trusted the Lord because I can't help what's going on in the world. But I come by to tell somebody, I don't know when it's going to end, but hold on. Help is on the way. There is a help. It is Jesus Christ. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. It's on the way. The psalmist David said, God, I feel like there's no help. Many increase that trouble me. They say there's no help for him in God. That's what the devil wants us to think today. We ain't got a fighting chance. The devil wants us to think we're all going to hell in a handbasket. 
The devil wants us to think, oh, you're serving God. Look at where that's getting you. You go to church. You're afraid to go to church. You don't go to church. and You know, you, you, you stay at home in seclusion. Yeah, I want you to hear me. I, I, I shared this the other day on my Facebook. I'm very selective in things I post but I couldn't help but not post it another pastor said it so if you don't like it get mad at him not me I'm just repeating what I heard it is amazing to me that the church is the one living in fear it is amazing to me the world can get up and go to their job then go to Lowe's they can go to Cracker Barrel. They can go to sporting events, 65,000 people crowded in a stadium to watch a football game. But the church says we can't go to church. That's too dangerous for us. And the only person in this world that actually has the answer is not the University of South Carolina's football team. Thank God they're 2-0, and but it might get worse after this weekend. I'm going to thank God for the small victories because there's not going to be many more after today. So we thank God for the small ones, even if it's on the foot of a kicker. The world is going on living their daily lives. But the church, the one who supposedly has all the answers, we're the ones hiding. We're like the day Jesus died. We're all barred doors and padlocks and trying to live in seclusion and act like nothing's happening because we don't want anybody. We're afraid. I'm not saying not be smart when it comes to COVID. I'm not saying whatever your decision is with masks or vaccines or how you need to handle jobs and all that. I'm not telling you don't make smart decisions. And say be foolish. I do believe there's a fine line between foolish and faith. There's a fine line. Some people are foolish. But I also would tell you some people, they're not foolish. They just don't have faith. There's a fine line. The Bible said, the words came to the psalmist like this. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the football game. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to Lowe's and get that honey to-do list finished up. Now, some of y'all might think that's what the Bible says, but that's not in the Bible. No. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go where? Except half of us don't want to come back. So obviously we're not too glad. Hello? You say, those watching online, if you have to be online for certain reasons, some of you have already told me why you're there, I appreciate that. But I'm going to go ahead and say it, and I might lose some viewers. If you're staying at home just because it's convenient, you're directly against the Word of God. If you're home because you're sick, I understand. If you're home because of some kind of conflict of interest and some things going on, I get it. But if you're staying home because you didn't want to put any effort to get up and get dressed and get to the house of the Lord because it was more convenient to watch me on your television than it was to come in the house of the Lord, you are directly opposite of what the Word of the Lord. The Bible says, do not forsake the assemblings of yourself as in the manner of some, but you come together in exhortation and you come and you worship the Lord together in the beauty of holiness. I come by to remind somebody I will not live in fear. I cannot help what COVID does, but I come by to tell somebody Christ offers victory in distress if we hold on, help is on our way. It's on the way. It's on the way. 
Now, I know some of you may come to church today and you thought, well, pastor's going to preach on something about freedom since yesterday marked the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and the World Trade Centers and all of those things. And I thought about it. I really did. I posted yesterday about thanking those who have so eloquently laid their life down, the tragic loss of that day, the men and women who died in their offices there and the first responders who died trying to save them. 20 years. And then I began to remember what Psalm 3 was all about. David is running from his son Absalom. Absalom has decided that he doesn't like how daddy's running the kingdom. So he leads a revolt against the kingdom of David. But Absalom has a pretty strong following to the point that they make David flee from Jerusalem in fear. The man who penned, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for your rod. I shall fear no evil. Your rod, your staff will comfort me. No doubt David probably wrote that when he's out in the field watching his sheep and thinking about it. The man who penned that words is now running in fear. The man who wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. The man who wrote, praise him in the morning. Praise him in the evening. Praise him in the afternoon. Praise him on the high sounding cymbals, the timbrel, the dance, the lyre. Praise him everywhere you can, everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. That man is running in fear. And here we are today. You know what 9-11 was all about? There was a lot of people living in fear that day. When it broke headline news and it was all over the news outlets of what happened in New York and the Pentagon and then the plane, Flight 93, that went down in Pennsylvania, fear gripped this nation. It crippled us. The next day we all woke up with a resolve on September the 12th, 2001. The world still was reeling and rocking, but if you remember, the president got up that day and he told us all to, united we stand, or divided, united, to, divided we fall, united we stand, divided we fall. He got to, um, gave this speech to the nation and basically said, we've got to rally around each other. Can I tell you, 20 years later, we still have to do the same thing. I don't care if it's masks or vaccines, red, yellow, black, and white. I don't care what the political movement is of the day, no matter what riot, no matter what agenda, no matter what propaganda is being fed out of different uh, anti-Christian groups. I'm here to tell you we have got to bind together. United we stand, divided we fall. The people of God better get back right with God. We better get back right loving one another. You can't say you love God if you can't speak to the person across the aisle at church. You can't say you love God if you can't shake the hand of a brother that goes to church with you or wave at a sister who goes to church with you. We have got to get it right or we're going to fall. 
But men and women that day ran into burning buildings of rubble and ash to try to save just one. And some of them did not come out. We commemorate those lives, what that meant. David is running from his rebellious son, taking over the throne. David's an innocent man, not deserving the fate he has been dealt, just like those men and women in New York that day didn't even see it coming. Or in the Pentagon, they never saw it coming. They got dealt a hand they didn't expect to have to play. Many men and women got phone calls from spouses and loved ones or got phone calls from some of their bosses and superiors to have to give them the tragic news that their loved one was in the rubble somewhere and maybe not survived. I remember a guy by the name of Todd Beamer. Flight 93. Todd realizes the plane is hijacked. He calls on his cell phone using the internet of the plane. He calls the operator and he says, I think the plane has been hijacked. He calls 911 and she talks him through and she says, what's going on? He said, I think there's some folks here that are from a different uh, nation and, and they've said there's a bomb on the plane. They've stormed the cockpit. She said, are they in there? And he said, yes. And she said, are you safe? And he said, well, for the moment, but there's one in the back of the plane, two in the front. And they go back and forth and they're doing this little thing. And he asked her to do something. You can go read this. This is a true story. Todd Beamer says, can you call my wife? Promise me you will call my wife. And she said, well, sir. He said, you don't understand, ma'am. I'm not sitting here and letting something happen. I've already, my, there's some people already sitting on this plane. that Their spouses have already called them and said the World Trade Centers have been hit and the Pentagon has been hit. And I don't know where this plane is headed, but we're not going to let it do it to somebody else's family. We've already made a plan. We're taking over this plane. She said, sir, I promise. And she hangs up the phone. She leaves the phone open, though, an open line so she can hear what's going on. She calls the FBI, and she tells them the same thing, and they say, we don't know where it's headed, but it looks like it may be headed back to Washington. Going to try to turn it around, maybe go for the White House or go somewhere else. She calls his wife. She gets back on the phone, and she says, Todd, are you there? And he said, yes, yes, I'm here. And she said, hey, I got the FBI. They said that it may be going back to Washington. He said this. He said, okay. He said, that's all I needed to know. He said, you make sure you call my wife. And the last words the operator ever heard him say was, all right, guys, let's go. It's time. And we know the story. That flight went down in Pennsylvania. Thousands of lives probably spared because of a heroic deed. David is fleeing from adversity, something he did not deserve. Those men, those women, those families didn't deserve what they got that day. I would like to say publicly that the funerals I've already done, the ones still to be done, some of those families didn't deserve the hand they got dealt with this virus called COVID. It wasn't fair. It wasn't, it wasn't right. They shouldn't have died like that. They should have been able to go out on their own terms, not some possibly created lab-created virus or something. They shouldn't have died from something like that. They should have been able to go on their own terms. I can't 
say that I, what I would do in those situations, but I can almost kind of understand why they might have a little bit of beef with God for a little while or be stressed out or struggling in their faith because it wasn't supposed to be like this. But that's exactly what the devil wants us to think, that it's God's fault. God did it. God created it. God made this mess that we're in. You know what I've come to discover? It's not God's fault at all. If it wasn't for the sovereignty of God, we'd be in a whole lot worse shape than we're in right now if it wasn't for God's mercy and grace. Well, Pastor, I can't believe you'd say this. Oh, I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that a nation that exalted the Lord, a righteous nation exalted the Lord, the righteous nation God would protect. But all throughout Scripture, the Bible gives me very clear and convincing evidence that a nation that turns its back on God, God despises. Every nation in the Bible that did not serve God Jehovah and would attack the people of God, that nation would end up dying. That nation would end up being destroyed. That nation would end up feeling the wrath of God poured out upon its nation. I'm not here to get in biblical prophecy with you, but the United States is not mentioned in the end times. The eagle, our representation, our symbol is not there. Now, I'm not saying that we, or we, or we, uh, that we will or we won't be there. I don't know exactly. But, but the, but the uh, correlation and all the this biblical prophet, uh, prophecy experts uh, all say the United States doesn't seem to be in there. Well, where are we going to be? Well, first of all, I don't know. But second of all, I don't care because I'm not going to be here when it happens. So it won't matter to me if we're there or not. COVID caused heartache, disappointment in many lives. David is running. He has been dealt a, if you will, a sorry hand. It gets so bad that even some of David's closest, if you will, confidants and advisors side with his son instead. They help him overtake the capital of Jerusalem. Absalom goes in and at the instructions of some of his wicked friends to literally put shame and mock the very essence of what his father stood for. His father was a godly king, a man of faith, the man who wore the priestly ephod, the man that would go and pray, the man that would say, he who dwells in the secret place can abide under the shadow of the Almighty, the man who loved God after, and the Bible said he was a man after God's own heart. Absalom wanted to make himself and assert himself being totally separate from his father of faith, that he goes into his father's wives and concubines and in public venue has relations with them so the world through voyeurism can watch him to have inappropriate relationships with his father's belongings. The wickedness that exuded from that day. We know that the Bible tells us David couldn't even build the house of the Lord, which was his heartbeat because of the bloodshed that he had shed. The Bible tells us that David was a warrior. He had killed animals to protect his sheep. He had killed giants to protect God's people. He had killed an innocent man to protect his sin and try to cover his integrity and infidelity. He had killed nations to protect family, friends, and the nation of God. Yet with all that experience of being a global conqueror, being a man, Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his thousands. The man who was a vigilant warrior is running from a man with no military training afraid of him 
runs. He hides. In the middle of this crisis, in the middle of this storm of life that David did not deserve, David mustered what little bit of faith he had left. And he wrote Psalms 3. In Psalms 34, the Bible teaches us that David wrote some things to his children for them to be reminded or to be remembering when he is gone. Here's what he wrote to them. Psalms 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their face were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from his troubles. The angel of the Lord camped around about them that fear him. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. I've come by to tell you today that even though David mustered what little bit of faith he had to say, many are they that creeps that troubled me, and many are they that say, there's no help for him and God. I want to tell you today there is help. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul, in the midst of this global pandemic, in the midst of this hell hole of earth we're living in, my soul will boast in the Lord, and I will be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt the name of the Lord together. I sought the Lord in my COVID crisis. I sought the Lord for my family. I sought the Lord for my marriage. I sought the Lord for my sickness and my infirmities. I sought the Lord when my family was in a situation that I thought was bleak and dire. I sought the Lord when I lost a loved one. I sought the Lord when I lost my job. I sought the Lord for my loved ones that are unsaved. But I sought the Lord and He heard me and He looked down and delivered me from my fears this poor man cried and the Lord heard him oh church taste and see that the Lord he is good God is still good today God is still good today God is good God is good I can't help what CNN says I can't help what Fox News says I can't help what the CDC says, Dr. Fauci says, the president says, Donald Trump says. I don't care what they say any more than I care about what Joe Blow passing by the street tells me his opinion is. There's no help for him, David said. David said, God, I can't do it. I can't make it. I'm not going to be able to survive it. I'm not going to be able to overcome it. My family is falling apart around me. My job is imploding around me. My sickness is getting too severe. David's running in fear. A man of God, a man of faith, a great conqueror, one of the greatest militia generals of all time, running in fear. 
before we judge David. That's what the church is doing right now. We have the greatest weapon, asset on our sides, Jesus Christ. We got the Alpha. He started it. And the Omega. He'll finish it. We got the guy that flung the cosmos into space, put every star, knows them by name, and the thousands and thousands and thousands of galaxies that we don't even know they're out there. Knows every one of them by name, and they all sit in the palm of his hand. We got a guy on our side that spoke light into existence, separated it from darkness. We got a man that called us out of darkness into his marvelous light so we could see where we're going. We got a man on our side that spoke animals into existence, spoke plants into being. Spoke land to divide waters and separate it from the face of the deep. We got a man that didn't just speak it, but took his very hands and took dirt and formed you and me. Everything else, everything else was spoken. Go back and read Genesis. He spoke everything else. He formed you. That's why this same guy named David we're talking about wrote in Psalms 139, he knit me together in my mother's womb. He knew me before I was even formed in the womb. God didn't speak you into existence. God didn't go by and say, well, I just want to have a man. Whew, there it was. No, no. God took time. He took his hands. He basically paused heaven so he could form you. He was a hands-on God. Not a... Hands off, God. Politicians are hands off. God's hands on. Politicians will make you think they're hands on. They're actually hands off because they don't want to get their hands dirty because they don't want to uh, look like the bad guy when it all goes south. But do you know when you're in dirt what your hands are? Dirty. God's hands on, not hands off. Out of the dirt of the ground, the dust of the earth, he takes his hands and he forms and he fashions. And the Bible says, as he speaks everything else into existence, the Bible says in Genesis that God, he breathed. Not spoke it. Little Fido, little Toto running around your house right now waiting for you to come home to feed her. She didn't get the breath of God. She got spoken into existence. And little Fido, little Toto running around your house right now, she wasn't formed by God. She just was spoken into existence by God. The only thing on planet Earth that God's ever hands-on touched and created with his hands and physically put his breath inside of it is you. That's it. No, no other carbon copy, no other duplications. Only humanity can say, God formed me, fashioned me, and breathed life into me. It's the same God that told Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, go out to a valley of bones and rubble. Ezekiel, do you believe these bones can live again? Well, Lord, only you know that. Well, Ezekiel, how about do me a favor? Speak to the wind. Tell these bones to come together again. The Bible says there started to be a rattling and 
thigh bone connected to the hip bone and the hip bone connected to the shoulders and the shoulders connected to the arms and every all these bones started amalgamating and coming back together but they still were just skeletal structures the bible said god said to ezekiel now you speak until basically sinews or, or, or muscle tissue to come back and he speaks it and the bible said fat and lipids and muscle tissue and skin began to envelop these bones of of, of just mere skeletal structures but they still were lifeless. Finally, God said to Ezekiel, he said, do you think these bones can live again? And Ezekiel said, oh, Lord, you know. <laughs> they can live again. Only you can do it, but you know they can live again. And he said, Ezekiel prophesied to the four winds, the north, the south, the east, and the west. And you tell that breath to come back into these bones. And the Bible said when he prophesied, old bones, saith the Lord, live again. The Bible said all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, this lifeless structure started, and all of a sudden, a great, army who stood before Ezekiel the Bible called him a great army stood before them with life inside of them I come to tell you that's the God that we serve that can take things that are dead listen I, I don't misunderstand what this pastor is about to say on Tuesday I'll stand in a service and I'll walk by a coffin of a preacher and a man of God that is looks lifeless in a coffin in a casket last night I went to a home go uh, view and visitation of a friend of mine who was lifeless in a coffin but oh friend I don't want you to be ignorant concerning them that sleepeth for those that die in the Lord yes they cease from their labors but when the last trump of God shall sound the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds of glory to forever be one with the Lord I'm telling you I can't help what happened to Paul Garrett I can't help what happened to Liz Duncan I can't help happen what Ron Jeffco but I'm telling you there's coming a day when the breath of God will preach to the south the north the east the west and the Holy Ghost, the Ruah, the breath of God will blow again. It'll blow, it'll blow, it'll blow. And everything that's dead will become to life again. Because we don't have to leave hopeless and helpless. Hold on. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Just care as you make your way. See, I don't really care. Politics say, government says, the CDC says, all these other people. I'm going to shock your theology here for about the next five minutes. I really don't even care what preachers say anymore. Because I'm to the point now, some of them I don't trust anymore either. Oh, I know half of you just tuned me out. And if you had spiritual hearing aids, y'all just turned me off so you didn't hear what I just said. I don't care how many times Joel Olstein tells you that your 10 best steps to be financially prosperous. I don't care how much you watch him. I don't, I don't, I don't need to know how to be prosperous. I need to know how to get to heaven. Because it ain't going to do me no good to be a multimillionaire if I go to hell because I can't take it with me when I go. 
I don't care how many prosperity preachers you watch and they tell you, name it, claim it, speak it. Well, I tell you what, if you believe that, everybody stand right now and just reach your hand out and put it towards that window and speak out and say, God, I pray that it's going to be a Lexus and a Lamborghini outside. When you go outside, see if you got one when it gets there. If you do, I got a laundry list of requests I need you to fix pretty quickly. I don't even trust preachers half the time anymore. Now, you say, well, Pastor, I can't believe you'd say something like that. Well, I do listen to preachers. I do. But I don't just take for what they say for granted. Now, I know people watching online and probably in-house and other things, you know, we get comfortable with the screens, and that's fine. I mean, it's directly out the Word of God. I don't, I don't change the Word. But I listen to preachers. You know what I do after they start preaching? I go back and make sure they said what was right. If he said that, well, I know that's what that scripture says, but I'm going to further look into that a little bit more because I, I don't know if that's actually the way it was really intended to mean. I go back and check it. I don't take it for facts. I go check it myself because I'm not having somebody else tell me something, and I'm going to tell you right now. Again, shock your theology for a minute. Don't you take what I say for granted. You go check it for yourself too. Now, I try to pride myself very hard and candidly not to ever be misleading especially in, in any way intentionally but I fully expect you to check it behind me don't just take it for face value you check it too and if I erred you come to my office and you tell me so I can correct it before God and man and I'll publicly stand before this church and say I, I misled you I thought it was this way, but after further reflection, I misled you. I, I'm not above saying that I messed it up. But when you stand before God, I'm not going to answer to God for you. You are. See, I don't even trust preachers sometimes. I'm not going to tell you I haven't sat in that office over the last couple weeks or months. I haven't been discouraged some days and hear stories some days. It just breaks my heart and I just go, I can't even believe what's going on right now. My faith to be tottering a little bit. What should we do, God? Should we shut down church? Should we not shut down church? Should we go back to mask mandate? Should we not go back to mask mandate? Lord, should we go back to temperature check? Should we not? And we have installed those back just because I feel like it's for nothing else for the safety of mind, for people to just feel like we're taking care and being wise as we possibly can. We're not taking your temperature because we don't trust God. We're taking it just so we can make sure we're doing everything we can to be wise and prudent. I don't want to do another death related to COVID, though I'm sure one day I may. Many are they that have increased in this world that trouble all of us. Many of them in the world would actually say to you that the church has no hope. There's no help for them. You can go to church all you want to. It ain't going to fix COVID. It ain't going to fix this. You can go to church all you want to and pray all you want to. It ain't going to matter. You know what? Maybe. Maybe they're right. It won't fix anything here. I'll give them the satisfaction. Well, they can go to church all they want to, do whatever they want to, but it ain't going to fix anything. They're right to a certain point. I can come to church all day long and pray about it, and you know what? They may be right. I may die of COVID or a heart attack, a pulmonary embolism, a brain injury. I could die. What? It may not have helped me here, but it will help me there. So they're right in the sense I can come to church every week and still may get COVID and still may die. That's true. 
But when I come to church and I seek the face of God and I worship with my brothers and sisters and I pray in an altar and I, and I seek the face of God, it may only, I'm just a pilgrim passing through this land. It may not help me so much, quote, here. It might help me get through here. But if it takes me out because well, they went to church and they got COVID and they died, well, that may be true. It didn't save me here. But it sure helped me get there. It sure helped me get there. I don't take COVID lightly. No more than I take a stroke or a heart attack or a brain aneurysm lightly either. The travesty and the tragedy of death is the respecter of no one. You can be rich. You can be poor. You can drive the nicest car. You can drive a moped that you barely got air in the tires for it to run. Death is no respecter of persons. Death is not racist. We can learn something from death. Death is not racist. Death is no respecter of persons. Death doesn't care your social status, your economic, social economic status. Death does not really care. It is the same to everybody. But so is Jesus. Jesus don't care if you're red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor. He don't care either. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus is the same for everybody too. You give life, you restore, you bring light to the darkness. It's your breath in our lungs. See, see, while death is no respecter of persons, so is life in terms of God-given life. That's why we say aborted babies are considered murdered because that was life. God gave life to them. Yeah, I sit there and I think, chaos that's going on in the world and the lack of hope this world seems to have. And as I share on my Facebook, and I stated a little bit earlier, it breaks my heart to see that it's the church that's running. Not running to God, running and hiding. Like David from Absalom, we're hiding. David had all the resources on his side. He was a great military general, but because of fear, he ran ran. And then he started pinning these words to Psalms 3. How many people right now in this world are running in fear? They're living a life of fear. They're scared what tomorrow will bring. They're scared what's going to happen to their family. They're afraid, church. Afraid. And we have the answer, but we're running too. They can't even look to us for hope. They can't even look to us to hold on to something because we're not even holding on to it anymore. So the world's desperately needing something. We desperately have the answers, but they can't find it because we don't seem to have it. But I'm reminded as I close, David reminded us in Psalms 34, I'll bless the Lord not just when everything's good. I'll bless the Lord just when I'm feeling good, just when my life's good, just when I got a good job, promotion, just when I buy my new house. I'll bless the Lord when things are good. That's not what it says. It says I'll bless the Lord at all. That means there are going to be days I don't feel like doing it, but I'm going to still do it. There are going to be days COVID or old age or 
pneumonia or asthma or headaches or migraines or or heart issues or stroke. There are going to be days I'm not going to really feel like worshiping God. It's just not a good day. But even in that day, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. This poor man cried. The Lord heard him. I cried out to the Lord. He heard me. Oh, magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name together. Oh, taste and see the Lord. He is good. I can't help how many coffins lay in front of this sacred lectern. I can't tell you how many funerals will happen between now and when Jesus comes back. But I'm telling you, for every funeral that I ever have to do, and for every lost loved one, the travesty, for every tear that is shed, for every heart that is broken, a broken and contrite spirit, God will not despise. For every challenge that is presented, I can still declare and decree to this body, oh, taste and see the Lord, He still is good. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. I wish it didn't happen, but I still know God is good. Know that. Here's my challenge to you today. And we'll pick up the rest of this sermon next week. But here's my challenge to you today. I can't help what's going on in the world around you. I can't fix it. I've told you many times. I wish I could wave a magic wand and tell you tomorrow. By this time tomorrow it's all gone. But you would know I'm a liar and a false prophet when that happens. I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know how many more tragedies we'll have to face. I don't know how many more days of persecution that the church will experience with the hands of extremists on the left trying to say that church is non-essential and all of these things and try to shut us down. I can't help that. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm telling you, for every bad thing that seems to be going on, when the world makes you think there is no help for them in God, you understand this. Hold on. Help is on the way. Delay does not mean denial. It's just setting up for a different outcome. Lazarus' family thought Jesus was late. He was dead. But he got there and still got the job done. I know on this side of heaven we don't see people get up from the coffin at the cemetery. But there'll come a day that our loved ones and our friends and family will get up again. If they know Jesus Christ, God will call them by name too and they'll get up again. They'll get up again. But the rest of us that are on this earth right now, it ain't time for us to wallow in doldrums and sad and pout and cry and worry about, oh, everything. No, no, this is the time we magnify the Lord. Let us exalt His name together because it's not going to matter what goes on in the world. We got the answer. We have Jesus Christ. No matter how bad it gets, help is on the way. As you stand all over this house with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Father, to my best ability, I tried to preach your word unashamedly. God, I know there are men and women here today where they wanted to come to church and they wanted to hear a Shouting and a word that was going to just make them just leave here, God. Shouting the victory. But God, I do believe this word can have that effect. 
Because no matter how bad it gets, we can remember help is on the way. I don't know when you're going to show up and fix it, but I do know you will show up. And when you do, you can't help but not do something to fix it. That's the God you are. Father, I pray over this body of believers. God, you let us experience the presence and power, peace of God, the remaining portion of this week. God, today as some will be laid to rest and some will have to say goodbye to loved ones. It's really not goodbye. It's more like see you later. It's never over when it's with you. So Father, today I pray you would be with this body of believers and the people of God. God, may the words of our mouth and meditations of our heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. God, and you bless us and keep us and your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us and lift up your countenance upon us and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. God, we leave this place. Don't let us leave this place downtrodden, discouraged, or disheartened. Well, let us leave here with our heads lifted high knowing we still have help. We hold on just a little bit longer. Help is on the way. It's on the way. We love you and we praise you in Christ's precious name we pray. Before Brother Randy Erchberger prays our benedictory prayer, don't forget, no service tonight due to the funeral services that will have to be conducted. Some of us will have to be a part of those this afternoon and evening, so we would not make it back in time. So we will be back on our regular schedule Wednesday night at 7 p.m. for Bible study, and also next Sunday, regular schedule, morning worship as well as evening worship. I love you, those joining online. God bless you. We've been praying for you. Have a great week. Brother Randy, will you pray our benedictory prayer immediately following? You're free to be dismissed. God bless you today.